Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro. Welcome back to Explore the Space. We are really fortunate. Um, Dr. Bob Walker is back again. Uh, if you heard our previous episode with him several months ago, he was on the cusp of releasing his book, The Digital Doctor, uh, which has been out now for six, seven months. It's been a whirlwind. If you follow Bob on Twitter, if you follow him online, if you went to TedMed, I think you probably have a sense of what happens when you write a book that is critically and publicly acclaimed. Bob, thank you for making some time and welcome. Hey, it's a great pleasure, Mark. Thanks for having me. When the book hit the market and you started getting response, when you were private and thinking to yourself what impact you wanted the book to have and then what impact the book itself has actually had, how would you put the two together? It's been great, which is, uh, which is unusual. I've written a few books, <laughs> books previously. My, my wife's written six books, so I know that usually about six months out, you never want to hear about it again. You're unhappy with your publisher. <laughs> you feel like nobody understood you. The reviewers yeah. were stupid. It's all that kind of stuff. Uh, this I've been thrilled with. Um, my hope was that the book would either generate or become a central pillar of a national conversation about health IT and why we hadn't gotten it right and what we needed to do to make things better. Uh, and, and steered that conversation in certain directions. And the, really those were, uh, paying much more attention to the experience of the end user, uh, uh, sort of getting rid of some of the hype and, you know, really being honest about what's working, what's not working and not being Luddite, not being kind of silly and saying, we need to get rid of the computers and go back to the, uh, you know, bring out the three ring binders and the post-it notes. That, that, that to me is ridiculous. So. Uh, I believe that's what happened, uh, and I, I think part of it was good timing. I, I I can't take credit for the conversation. I think part of the reason I wrote the book was it was so much in the zeitgeist that everybody was feeling the same thing, and so I think the conversation was poised to begin. But it's really it really has taken root this year, and I think because of the timing and the reception of the book, the book has become a central piece of that conversation, which is exactly what I hope for. No, I, I think that you're right. I've I've had people who don't know that I have a podcast, don't know that I've ever spoken to you, talk to me about the book. Have you read this book? What did you think of it? And then I said, well, yes, I think it's one of the most important books that we've had come out in some time. Has there been crossover? Have you found people who are not in medicine, who don't have a vested interest in healthcare IT, saying to you, you know what, I've heard of this book, I want to be a part of it, uh, I want to talk to you about it, those sorts of things. Has that happened? Some. I, I, you know, my, my hope was that it would be a crossover book, because I think it's just a, you know, I think it's an incredibly interesting story of uh, whether you were interested in healthcare generally, or just in uh, computers or IT generally, or just interested in a, an amazing story of a big, important industry transforming. And, um, uh, you know, looking by looking at sales and things, I know it's it's out there in the lay world and certainly gotten written up a fair amount in, in, in lay kind of publications. But I'd say most of the conversation has been insiders, but not insider insiders, meaning, yeah, it's a big deal, I think, in the world of informaticians uh, and the world of people that think about the transformation of the healthcare around value. Uh, but, you know, but rank and file docs and nurses and, you know, people who 
I don't think normally would pick up a book about health IT uh, have done it. Has it, you know, has it sort of become Gawandi-esque and is it, you know, the thing everybody's talking about, including your grandmother at Thanksgiving? I don't think, <laughs> I don't think quite that, but that's an awfully hard, high bar that, you know, you hope for, but, uh, but, uh, that would have, that would have surprised me. Sure. No, that, that makes sense. I think though, there's one other part of this. There's some subtext in that book and it's in the title is the issue of hype. Um, and since I read the book and have been much more involved following a lot of these issues through the podcast and just people that I've been able to speak with. I, I feel like that issue of hype that you would address rigorously in the book is really bubbling up more and more. And, and medicine is being challenged with how do we deal with things that we do say and talk about being hyped, being part of the news cycle, going viral. I think it's a new phenomenon and it's something that I feel like you address in the book, but more and more, we are having to deal with that. Yeah, I, I think there's always been a little bit of that tension in healthcare because you know we're an enormous industry. We're 18 percent of the GDP. We just passed three trillion dollars of expenditures in, in health in the United States. Can you restate so that? The, can you say that number again? Uh, that, so that, that's three trillion. That's with a T. <laughs> that is, a trillion is a thousand billion. <laughs> there's no way to put that into any sort of meaningful context. Yeah, no. Yeah, I think you cannot get your arms around that. But that's 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 what it is, and. Uh, so, so you know, whenever there is that that kind of money sloshing around through an industry, there is going to be corporate interests that are going to be you know hyping their thing, and I think we're you know we're a little bit used to that in you know a uh, new drug uh, you know uh, drugs for this and that you know whether it's uh, low T or you name it uh, mm-hmm. you know the, the pharma pharma does that. But they they have to do it in a slightly restrained way because of the FDA. Yes. Um, Whereas I think what we're beginning, what we were seeing, and I think still are seeing to some extent in health IT, is kind of restrained from the the uh, the burdens of of the kind of FDA FDA regulatory environment in terms of what you can and can't say. Uh, And because we're so used to the magic of IT in the rest of our lives. Um, the, the level of hype, particularly on the consumer-facing side, you don't see people hyping electronic health records very much because there's so much kind of deep disappointment, enough enough user experience that people would laugh at, at that. Uh, but 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 in terms of you know wearables and consumer-facing apps and things like that, there's a lot of hype and it's not all that restrained. And 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 I think because uh, you, you think about your iPhone. Ten years ago, if somebody told you about some of the stuff you would be doing on your iPhone, you would have said, that's hype, that's ridiculous, and now it's all very real. So we've gotten used to the idea of IT being magic and doing stuff that we can't possibly imagine. It's a, sort of that combination, I think, that's led to uh, kind of unrestrained exuberance in, in, in some of the claims around around health IT. And I think, you know, part of my goal, I th- you know, was to rein that in or call it out or at least create a conversation when someone is, is, is saying something outlandish to really, you know, say, really, yeah, how's that going to work exactly? Uh, and, you know, my favorite example is the idea that, you know, everybody's going to be running around wearing, you know, you name the Apple Watch or, 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 or sensing underwear that's going to be monitoring 52 pieces of vital signs in your sweat and your stress level. And then you hear this idea, and it's all going to get beamed to the primary care doctor who's going to be thankful to get all this information on her 2,000 patients. <laughs> and it's like, really? That's not a planet that I'm familiar with. Right, right. You know, so I, I, think, I, I think the book has been helpful in that regard because I think when people say that kind of stuff now, people, 
you know, it's more likely people are going to say, are you kidding me? How's that going to work? Well, I think that you've identified a tension, though. Is, and I think, you know, I, I had Christina Farr from the Future of You blog and, and KPBS, and we talked about this. And I, I'm taking the corner of we need to be restrained. Um, I, I am standing on that corner saying this all needs to slow down a little bit because caveat mTOR, buyer beware, doesn't apply in medicine. I think that there needs to be some sort of shepherding and counseling process. And there is a real tension when there's the consumer-facing products that do start to run away a little bit. And I, I think that your book is a great counterpoint to that. But I, th- there is a real tension there. And like you say, there are the, the, the people saying we're going to be sending all of our blood glucoses and our, uh, you know, our, our telemetry monitoring to the primary care doctors. Like, how is this going to work? I mean, that is, that is hype personified. Right, right. You know, I, I think you're right, and I think wise to sort of see this as part of a a broader thread and a, and a broader set of tensions, which is that computerization inevitably democratizes industries. It gives people new tools to uh, to do their own thing, and and mostly that's healthy and exciting. If you think about how you organize your travel or your finances these days, or call a cab, it's all you know pretty great in, yeah. in many ways. Yeah, and you know, and and the entrenched interests and legacy providers will always say this is not a good thing because people don't understand and they'll screw it up. So there's an inevitable tension there. And I think you're right that, you know, I firmly believe that healthcare is different uh, than managing your finances and, uh, you know, and, and, and organizing your travel. Uh, but the question of how different uh, is an interesting, really important question. And I don't think the right answer is to, uh, completely circle the wagons and say, you know, patients shouldn't have this data or shouldn't right. be given tools to manage themselves because some of the time that will be great and empowering and they'll be able to do more things better and cheaper. Yes. Uh, but, 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 you know, taken to its nth degree, as you sometimes hear around, you know, around genetics or around wearables or all, you know, that, that it's really just like everything else and patients will be, you know, essentially become their own doctors. That just that feels wrong to me, and uh, you know, and yet there, you know, there are there are corporate interests and others that you know that have a vested interest in trying to to, to sell that uh, that idea. So, you know, it, it it it's it's a really 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 interesting and important debate, um, and uh, left to its own devices. The, the mouthpiece of corporate America is loud enough because of advertising and because of the corporate interest to get you to want to do that, that uh, I think there needs to be some counterpoint, and that's part of what I was trying to do. Absolutely, and, and I think when you've done that, I would imagine you've sort of put yourself into a number of those conversations. You know, We've seen how the hype machine can generate unbelievable energy around companies like Theranos or 23andMe, and sometimes when the curtain gets pulled back, it's not quite what we thought. When you're now, I would imagine, like I said, participating in some of these conversations, how do we hash out these problems around the democratization of medicine? Uh, you know, obviously people do need to have better access to their own personal medical records. Where is the, where is the momentum moving? Which direction are the winds kind of shifting this discussion? Well, I think, I think Theranos and 23andMe are good examples of, uh, of the fact that I think the winds are shifting back toward, sort of, toward something a little bit more modest and uh and restrained and um you know i i won't flatter myself or the book to say you know it did that it clearly did not but i think it, it, it's part of a a national 
uh, sort of taking of a deep breath and, and saying, come on, folks, let's really think about this yeah. and, and, and kind of unrestrained hype and non-evidence-based hype um, is going to get us in trouble in a way that, um, you know, is different than you screwing up your plane reservation. I mean, right. people can really hurt themselves here. That's the, that's the germane <laughs> point. I think you nailed it, that there is way more at stake. That if you are going to let someone have access to your genetic information, it is totally different than going and booking a flight online and or yeah. you know an apartment on Airbnb and it doesn't work out. It's not the same sport, right? And I I think that's you know in some ways I've enjoyed being in the middle of that debate because I you know I, I I've been in plenty of those debates and I don't think someone can look at me or my track record. And say I don't believe in technology, or I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I go home and read by candlelight. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, you know, I, I tweet and I blog, and I've been a pretty early adopter. Right. And you know, when someone <laughs> reads my book or, or, or you know, reads the cliff notes and says, "You're right, we need to get rid of the computers and bring back the paper," I say, "You're out of your freaking mind." You know, yeah. that is not the right answer. And I think you know the the challenge here was to be a thoughtful and helpful critic yeah. uh, without, you know, being or, 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 or being branded as someone who's saying, you know, it, it was great before we need to go back to that. No, it wasn't. It was terrible before. Yes. It can't be that we do our business on, you know, pen and paper with post-it notes and, and clipboards. That's ridiculous. We got to do this. But I, I do think the world was ready you know, to, to kind of take a step back and look at this and say, you know, come on, let's let's get this right. Let's think about. You can't talk about, or you can't talk about it, but you're wrong about this sort of magical ecosystem where all these data are sort of flowing around and people are doing all this great stuff with it. Uh, you know, like it's here today, like we have the tools and the capacity to make this all work, like we have the workforce and the and the systems. Uh, you can talk about it and say, you know, that's that's our aspiration. You yeah. know, we 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 really do want. There are some you know amazing benefits that will flow from healthcare being more democratized and having patients more engaged. Uh, but the evidence that that it does everything people say it will do is is pretty scanty. And if you go to it too quickly, you know people uh, people will read this and say, oh, that's great. I will be my own doctor, and I just worry that they will get it really wrong. No, I I think that that's. That's the central tension, and it's going to take some time to evolve and figure it out. But I, I do have one other question on the same vein. And it, when you wrote your book, there's a couple of places where you were very open about saying where you had a stake or an interest in, in a particular entity. Is there a need for physicians? Do we need to police ourselves when we're talking about companies, when we are saying something is good, bad, or indifferent? Do we need to police ourselves and be upfront like that and say, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. And in, you know, small type, I do have an interest in this or whatever it may be. Is that something that should be implied? Is it, should it be the way it should, what, 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 what should that role be? Well, I, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm a big believer in two things that might feel like they're, they're in conflict with each other. And, you know, that's partly, you know, one hope that the human brain can manage that, which, <laughs> which is, I, I actually do believe that my own personal work with some IT companies uh, has been extraordinarily helpful and interesting to me in understanding that part of the world. I mean, if you sit here in the ivory tower and, and, and think and pontificate about it, I don't think, you know, I could really understand the world of app developers or, or software companies without at least having some interaction with them. And then you might say, okay, 
fine, but now you're disqualified from ever opining about any of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's wrong too. So how do you balance that tension? I think, you know, to the, to the extent that it's feasible, I think transparency is the best we can do. And uh, do we police ourselves? Well, I did. I mean, nobody made me uh, declare any conflicts. Uh, you know, it wasn't like I was uh, you know, doing an NIH grant where I had to do it, uh, you know, yeah. but I felt like that's what I owe the reader to uh, if I'm going to talk about a space that I have a financial interest in or, or a company that I've come to learn or come to know from being involved with them in one way or the other, I think the, you know, the, the normal reader would want to know my relationship with that. So I felt like you know, the way of reconciling that is to put it out there and people can judge that uh, for what it is. I do worry a lot about conflicts here because uh, you know, the health IT industry went from a trivial uh, amount of uh, source of, of expenditures uh, 10 years ago to an enormous one today. And, you know, yes. we think about $30 billion of federal incentives over the last five years. That was a tiny piece of overall expenditures. I mean, it's got to be, you know, it, it's, it's got to be in the, uh, be making this up, but, you know, half a trillion dollars if you add up all the, uh, all the amount of money being spent on health IT, maybe less than that, but it's half it a is trillion a, dollars. Uh, I, I made that up, so don't quote me, but if, I, if I think about, you know, UCSF Medical Center, one of, it's a big one, but one of 6,000 hospitals in the country, our investment in health IT, when you add it all up over the last five years, has to be close to a billion dollars, you know, yeah, because it's not just sure. the purchasing of our Epic system, but it's all of the staff and the training and all that kind of stuff. And that's, you know, that's one place. So, yeah. um, you know, uh, you get to a Kaiser and they've spent, you know, in the many billions of dollars on this. So it has now become an absolutely enormous industry. And that means if, uh, unless the, the laws of, of, of human nature begin failing, that means uh, there will be shenanigans. Yeah. Uh, that means people will be conflicted and not tell folks about it. That means there's scandals that will break at some point about you know the the uh, CIOs and and health systems who decided to buy System A versus System B. And by the way, it turns out that System A you know took them out for a nice golf vacation or whatever. <laughs> right. You know how do I know that? Because that's what always happens. Yeah. It happened with pharma, and then we said you can't do that. You can't do that anymore, right? You right. can't do that anymore. Uh, you know we all did that 30 years ago, and it sort of seems sleazy, but it was the norm. And now we we look back and we say. Boy, what were we thinking? That's terrible. I think that set of uh, you know ethical norms and or regulations, and probably need a little bit of both, have not really settled in health IT, and that's yeah. because health IT went from being a pretty mom and pop world to being a humongous industry in a very short period of time, and probably has outstripped both the rules and sort of the setting of ethical norms. And usually that takes a scandal or two yeah. uh, to, to, to generate. I'm guessing there will be a scandal or two down the line. But as for me, it just felt like, you know, I, I mean, I, I thought about in, in writing about some of the areas where I, I was involved with some, some companies. I, I mean, my first thing thought was maybe I should just avoid talking about those particular companies. And then I said, that's kind of, that seems silly because I actually know those companies well. And, 
part of the reason I got involved in them is I thought they were interesting and they, they do illustrate some things that I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the only way I could, you know, square that, uh, that, that one was, was just to be as transparent about it as I could be. I, I think, you know, you and I both have a shared interest in history and we've talked about this before. When you have the opportunity to learn from the lessons of history, you're foolish if you let it slide by. This is a perfect opportunity, I think, for physicians as a whole to say we are going to be the leaders in terms of this disclosure of potential conflicts when we are talking about these products, because we are, I mean, there are physicians all over the map talking about any number of products in very, very visible ways. Um, we really, this is our chance. And I just, I, I am, I worry that if we sacrifice that level of integrity, it, it'll be really, really hard to earn it back. Yeah, but as a student of history, you will say that I chances know. are we won't do that. I know. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> folks like folks like uh, you know you and me who have pretty well developed ethical compasses that we can probably thank our parents for uh, will, and uh, and there'll be others uh, for whom it's it because it's it's less of a natural act, and they're you know yeah. I, w- I wish we would understand that and learn that and and get it right from the start. And, but that's and hopefully, generally not the, the way it goes. hopefully the expectation will be on the consumer side too, where they'll ask those specific. questions questions when someone that, you know, is saying I'm a doctor and this is the best thing. Well, okay, let me just ask you one second question here before we go forward. Uh, hopefully that expectation comes as well because it's fair. And I think yep. it's important. Um, we, we could do, we could go down the rabbit hole on this subject, but there is another piece that I want to get into because it sounds like you have been called to sort of leverage your expertise and insight on a totally different scale with respect to the national health system uh, in, uh, in our friends to the, to the East. Um, I just saw the play Hamilton. And so I have a whole new relationship with, uh, with England after watching that amazing, amazing play. If anyone has a chance to see Hamilton, don't miss it. Tell us about what, what they asked you to do and how that process is starting to take shape, because that is a rare and amazing opportunity. Yeah, I'm, I, I completely agree with you. So, I mean, this is one of the more gratifying things that's come from the book. Uh, the Secretary of Health of, uh, of the United Kingdom, Jeremy Hunt, came out to San Francisco two or three months ago and read the book and loved it. And uh, uh, his folks called me afterwards and said, um, the UK is about to embark on a very large proj- uh, project, essentially, to digitize its entire health system. Wait, let me just uh, ask you, what is it like when you, you know, like you, like we asked about before at the beginning, you write a book, you hope it does well, and now you're getting phone calls from the Secretary of Health of the United Kingdom? It's, it's, very, it's a very out-of-body experience. Because when I think, <laughs> even, just, even just playing back what I just said, it, you right. know, it's like, really? Me? Yeah. Have this, you know, have, yeah. You're going to listen to this, this podcast happened. next it, week and it, you're going to say, oh my gosh, that actually happened. I've always, you know, as I've done a fair, you know, taken on leadership roles in my life and all that, I, I always saw people in those kinds of roles as having a certain kind of gravitas that I think I completely lack. <laughs> and and, uh, and so, you know, it's all, this all feels very accidental to me. Yeah, it feels yeah. like, you know, I, I do things that, that seem interesting and seem important. I guess I've, I'm decent at them and stuff happens and and uh, it, but it feels very out of body, uh, and but you know, wonderful, it's fun, yeah. and and it feels important, and so uh, uh, the UK has been fascinating when it comes to 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 health IT. You know, when I I spent six months there in 2011 uh, on on sabbatical, and um, they were getting toward the tail end of a, a similar 25 to 30 billion dollar health IT program called Connecting for Health. 
And I walked into St. Mary's Hospital in, in London and said, you know, I hear you spent you know, a huge amount of money on wiring the NHS. You know, I'd love to see your computers. And they said, well, okay. And they took me and showed me a computer on the ward of the medical floor. And it looked like a Tandy that I had in like 1982. It was, oh, it, it was, it was, you know, basically did, it, it did basic results reporting, meaning that you could see your labs on it. It really looked like the kind of IT systems we had 30 years ago. And I said, what happened? And they said, basically the, the, the national program to wire the NHS completely failed and was ultimately written off while I was there as a fiasco. So they essentially burned 20 to $25 billion, which they, they can ill afford and what's happened over the last five years is they sort of, you know, stopped for a while. Now, the, interestingly, the, the implementation of health IT in the GP primary care world there has actually gone quite well. And what people tend not to understand if they've not spent time there is the National Health Service really runs the hospitals and, um, uh, and secondary and tertiary care. Primary care is not run by the National Health Service. The, the, you know, the GPs have private offices. They're paid through the National Health Service, but in some ways it would be like Medicare paying a primary care doc here. And so that sector tends to be more innovative and more entrepreneurial. And, and so computer implementation in the primary care outpatient world went well, and I think they're ahead of us there. On the hospital side, it went extraordinarily poorly. Mm-hmm. So what, what they asked me to do um, is to lead a, 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 an advisory committee uh, whose job will be to advise them on their strategy to digitize the rest of the health system. And um, importantly, you know, they read the book carefully and they kind of get that part of that is going to be what are the rules and policies and incentives coming at this from the federal uh, you know, from the system, which is run by the federal government, but what also needs to happen at the ground, you know, at the level of hospitals and doctors and nurses, what kinds of training, what kinds of, how do we push user-centered design, uh, you know, to, to get this right and, and, and learn from not only the mistakes that they made on their first try here, but really some of the experiences and mistakes that we made in the U.S., so it's an incredibly interesting and, 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 and sobering charge. Uh, we're just putting the committee together. It will contain uh, about an equal number of people from the U.K., leaders in the health system and in IT and others, uh, and some a fair number of, of leaders from the U.S., many of whom I met in, uh, in interviewing people for the book. Um, Got about seven or eight months to do it. I'll go to the UK probably three times in the next six or seven months to uh, to talk to people and have uh, have committee meetings there. Uh, we've been given a lot of authority, and the model here is a report that Don Berwick did on their uh, on patient safety for the UK. And I mm-hmm. spent a fair amount of time with Don talking about how that went. And uh, I'm I'm you know I'm really really excited about uh, about it and trying to make a contribution. And uh, you know they're they're a it's just, obviously it's a smaller system than the U.S., uh, but it's a very big and important system, and and having the National Health Service in a, uh, a federalized system has some real advantages, um, but it has some real disadvantages, and I think they learn the disadvantages. If you, if you do the post-mortem on why their first try didn't work very well, you would say the main thing that they blew was that they tried to really run this and manage this centrally. It really was kind of dictated from the center, uh, you know, and it was kind of the usual magical thinking about computerization. It's technical change, not adaptive change. We'll just kind of 
ship out computers, turn them on, it'll all be good without mm-hmm. really understanding the complexity and the, you know, and, and the socio-technical aspects of what you're trying to do. So they deeply understand that now, you know, so do we, and we'll see if we can uh, help, help get it right this time. You're going to get to leverage the lessons of history right there, and you're going to be the one pulling the lever, or at least helping. Yeah. It's going to be Yeah, helping. You know, I, I, it, it, clearly, I mentioned advisory committee. Well, sure. It's not like we can make the policy, but I think we have the ear of really important people. And I think there are you know, a couple of big challenges coming in. One is that the system is really cash-strapped. And, uh, uh, you know, and, and that's just really hard. I mean, you do have to spend some money up front to yep. hopefully get some benefits uh, down the road. And the second is, interestingly, they're very concerned about what we have seen, this notion of vendor lock. And, you know, it's one thing for the U.S. to feel like, you know, everybody's bought Epic and now, you know, we're stuck for the next the X number of years and, you know, there's no, uh, the nimbleness that you want in some ways is compromised by what may feel a little bit monopolistic. In the UK, they feel that, but they feel that even more because there are really no UK companies that could fit in that role. So the idea of a US company sitting in that position, I think they come into this with a bias uh, uh, that, you know, having a this ecosystem really owned and run by big US companies would not be the best solution. Wow. And so... You know, I, this, whatever we recommend has to feel like it works for them, and uh, uh, and, and uh, so that that's sort of an interesting kind of baseline condition that I thought I have to understand better and uh, try to kind of work through as we make our recommendations. It's interesting being a hospitalist is going to be a skill set that I think we'll be able to deploy really well. You know, being conscious of where they are sort of socially, what their needs are there, where you know what the long term goals are, being able to communicate. I think that there's a really fascinating kind of interplay between those two skill sets. So I'm, my mind is kind of racing just thinking about it right now. I think that the interplay between the skills of you know the profession that you help create that I do, and then what you've written about in this book, and you're going to go forth and it's really, really, it's quite compelling actually. Well, that's you know that's not a coincidence. I think I mean yeah. it's kind of the, what I like doing. What I, it's the way my mind tends to tends to go. And you know, I I think we're very similar in that way. You know, we're students of history and policy and politics, and and uh, and you know, think big picture and understand that being a doctor is partly about the patient in front of you and partly about the system in which you work. And I think that turns out to be an extraordinarily important lens as you think about a major transformation when it came to IT. And as you know, when I started writing the book, my biggest fear was, you know, can I do this? I'm not a techie. Uh, yeah. You know, I love, I love technology, but I really don't know the innards of, you know, of, of, of chips and, and APIs and, you know, you get into the acronyms and they'll, you'll lose me pretty quickly. And then I realized very, very quickly that that's, that's not the major part of the story here. The technical yeah. part is, yeah. is, is, you know, you got, somebody has to understand it, but the big picture is really the, where the story lives. The next time someone accuses you of not being technically savvy, what I'd like you to do is generate your response in the form of like an old, uh, you know, wh- whatever it was, Western States telegram, uh-huh. but take a digital <laughs> picture of it and put it on Twitter. There you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, stop. You're right. Stop. I don't know how to use this stuff. Stop and put it on Twitter with a digital picture. Great idea. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, this has been a wonderful conversation. Thanks so much for coming back. It's it's great, again, to get that context. What kind of impact is this book having? It sounds like the impact has been pretty profound, and now it's about to cross the Atlantic. So all the best as you go forward, and, and please come back in a few months' time or next year and let us know how things go. Great. Thanks, Mark. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Explore the Space. Visit us on our website, explorethespaceshow.com, and please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. 
Follow us on Twitter at ETS Show. And you can email Dr. Shapiro by writing to mark at explorethespaceshow.com.